Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. You guys ready? Let's pray. Father, we love you and honor you, and we just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And um, we just thank you for every ministry that's taken place tonight, and we just bless all of those ministries from our babies all the way to our young adults and in here, those that are watching online, we just honor you and bless you and and, uh, just pray, Holy Spirit, minister to your hearts as we dig into the Word of God. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now, let our hearts be open, uh, speak to us, uh, instruct us, correct us, rebuke us, um, use your Word to line us up with you in every way. Help us to step into this kingdom lifestyle that you were speaking to your, to all of your disciples, all your followers here in this Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we just praise you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, well, this series was six weeks, and um, this is week four, and... I've barely made it through uh, 12 verses, so I'm kind of going to begin to blend a little bit on Wednesdays and Sundays, so they'll kind of keep keep adding to it a little bit, but just to kind of catch you up with where we're at tonight, and you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5, because I'm going to want you to read these verses with me, okay, and, and see what the Word says, but... Um, uh, just to kind of recap a little bit, because this is part five of this sermon. So what happened is, is I did an introduction to the full Sermon on the Mount on Sunday, um, October the 1st. And then the the following three Wednesdays, um, I broke down the eight Beatitudes, okay? So we've gone in the last three Wendy's, Wednesdays um, from... Uh, chapter 5, verse 1, through through verse 12. And uh, if you've missed those, I encourage you to listen to them. They've been so fruitful and beneficial in my life. Uh, the Lord reveals things to me in those that I, that I hadn't seen before, just like layer upon layer being opened up. And that's kind of kind of where we've landed at. And then last Sunday, um, I went into the next section of this sermon, just this past Sunday, and I preached on Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16, on being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and, and uh, not just the aspect of being salt and light, but maintaining that saltiness and maintaining that light. And anywho, I won't go back and preach that sermon, but that's where we ended Sunday. So after all of that, two sermons and three Wednesday nights, we are through 16 verses of Scripture. Praise God. But I said it was going to be in-depth, so we're digging deep. Amen? We're going to cover a little bit more ground tonight. And uh, we're going to jump in here. In this next section, uh, uh, I just, I'm not going to be able to get through all seven chapters. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, where do you want us to focus on? I'm going to hit this next section, but I'm kind of going to do it a little bit quick because I want to begin to get into the six temptations, right? And so um, that's, that's kind of where, where, we're, where we're heading. But let's read real quick Matthew chapter 5. You guys got your Bible open? 
and got something to maybe take some notes and some references with. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. So let's read this. So we're coming right out of the Beatitudes. We're coming right out of him, him calling us to be salt and light and maintaining that. And then he says in verse 17, he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Verse 19. For whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exalts the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So this is, this is cool. So we're just going to stop here. Again, I could take a whole night in this, and I just I don't, I don't feel like I'm supposed that I'm supposed to take all that time on it. But let me just say a little bit about this. Jesus is coming right out of the Beatitudes, this lifestyle that he called us to step in to live, and then calling us to, to, to maintain our saltiness and our light, our purpose right now on earth to reflect him, right? And then, then he comes in here and he says this, Right here in verse 17. So right at the Beatitudes, right after, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Maintain it. Don't let it go out. Don't lose your saltiness. All these things. And then he says right here, don't think for one minute that I will minimize any of the promises in my prophets. That's a powerful statement. Again, this is one sermon, chapter 5, 6, and 7. So when you study parts of Scripture in these three chapters, you've got to put it all together. So we come out of that beatitude, we came out of that salt and light, and then now here we are, Jesus saying, don't think for a moment that I'll minimize any of the promises that I spoke through my prophets. We need to go back into the Old Testament. We need to read all of the, the major and all the minor prophets of what the Lord said and what he spoke through them. And then he says this, and then don't think for a minute that I will minimize any way the requirement for my people to say yes to righteousness, to my word. This is what he's saying in here. And uh, in other words, it's like... I, I've called you to my kingdom, and I'm not changing any of it. What I established as law, what I established as my truth, what I established as my promises, what I, what I established through the prophets of what I, what I was going to be doing, how I was going to do it, what was going to happen, he's like, I've, that, 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 none of that stuff has been diminished. And so when you read this here um, in Jesus saying, know that I didn't come to destroy the law, I didn't come to change things because of culture today um, uh, or, 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 or anything that I've spoken through my prophets. But he says, I came to fulfill it. Matter of fact, he said, well, every dot and every tittle, whatever that it says in there, is going to be done. Everything that you read in Scripture, Jesus will fully fulfill. 
There's not one thing that he's, that he's not going to fulfill, and there's not one thing that he's not going to change his mind on. So he says, as I'm calling you into this lifestyle, even though everything's changing around you, and even though darkness is going to increase, my light is going to increase, but he says, you cannot change in the midst. You've got to stick to my word. And stick to what I promised you and stick to what I proclaimed. Don't let what you see, don't let what you see distract you from what I've said is going to happen. Keep your faith in me. Right? So this is what he, this is kind of what he's dropping in these people's lives right here. And then and then um, and then in this, in this, Jesus kind of I just, let me highlight this real quick, then I'm gonna move on. But then Jesus gives two things. He gives one of the one of the strongest warnings. And then he gives one of the greatest promises in Scripture right here in this passage of Scripture. It's so beautiful. The warning that he gives is, he says, if you break one of the least of these commandments and you teach others to do the same, you shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. That's powerful. He's established in a lifestyle. He just said, I'm not changing my, my mind on anything. There's not a, a dot on an I or a cross on a T. If I stated it, I meant it. I haven't changed anything. I'm going to do it. And, and, he, and then he gives this warning. He says, if you break one of the least of these, and then if you teach others that it's okay because ch culture changes, because, again, in the last days, right, what, what's evil is going to be called good and what's good is going to be called evil. And we see so much of that happening. And I'm not even talking about the world. I'm talking about in the church, right? And so Jesus is saying, man, uh, uh, you'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. And then here's this promise that he gives and this is what I want us to grab a hold of tonight, because this is, this is really what he's calling us into in the Beatitudes and then to be salt and light. Because, you listen, he didn't call you salt and light if you weren't supposed to make an impact. He said maintain your saltiness because I've got people all around you every day that need to taste me. And I, I, need, I, need, I need you to make sure that you're preserving my word and preserving my ways. Because that was the ultimate purpose of salt. And he's like, you're going to make sure you maintain your light because I'm going to shine through you and I'm going to draw people to me. This is the heart of what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, I'm not changing my mind on anything, so uphold my word. Uphold what I've spoken through my prophets. And then he gets in here, he gives this warning. And then here's this promise to you guys. This is to every one of you. You need to know that God called you to greatness. And it's not in how many books you write, whether you got a jet to fly around the world with some big well-named ministry, or how big your church is. I mean, he's called every one of us to be great. And it's not about a number of people. It's about the size of our heart and what we do with it. So Jesus is establishing greatness right here. And he says this in this promise. Hit, it's right here. Again, the, 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 this warning and this promise, I think, are, are two of the, one of the biggest warnings and one of the biggest promises that are not seen and neglected in the Scripture. Because if we saw this, we would be salt and we'd be light a whole lot more. And not just living to get to heaven on our own. This is what Jesus says. He says, whoever lives them out, whoever lives out my word, whoever lives out these beatitudes, whoever lives out what I've spoken in scripture, and not only that, but you teach them. You teach them. You share them. You share my heart with people and with others. You, to, to do the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You want to be called great? Share the word of God with people. 
Share his truth. Don't, 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 um, I'm, I'm just not very good with this. Don't cuddle sin. Cuddle the sinner to know how much God loves them, but don't cuddle the sin. Jesus says, if you'll make, if you will live according to my ways, and if you'll make my ways known, you will be called great in him. He's going to recognize that. There, I could go, this is a whole series in itself. Because when we get to heaven, we're all going to be clothed in righteousness. We're all going to be loved the same. His love for us will never change. But when you get into the scripture, you'll be rewarded. We'll all be rewarded differently for our works. And Jesus says, if you do this, like above all, if you, if you obey my word, if you obey this lifestyle, this kingdom lifestyle, and not, and not veer to the left or the right, but if, you, if you'll step out of yourself and share with other people so that I can change their life and bring them in alignment, he said, you'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. This is the number one definition of greatness right here. Isn't that powerful? Yes, Pastor Scott. <laughs> okay, there you go. I took way too long on that, and I wasn't supposed to. So this is the one I'm going to dig into tonight. Um, you guys good? All right. So the Sermon on the Mount is how many chapters? Chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. All of it. All of it is, is it's, you got to get the whole sermon. I kind of broke down three highlighted areas to you. I broke down the eight Beatitudes, and then we're going to tonight begin to talk about, he comes out of that, be salt and light, stick to my word, and not only live by it, but teach others, and, and, and I'll call you great. And now we're going to get into where he gives six temptations that he knew that we were going to have to resist in order to live out this lifestyle rightly, okay? And then after that, in the last week or two of this, you know I'm going to run out of time. I'm not going to be able to get to it. But my goal was to be able to then give the five um, spiritual disciplines that he gives us in this sermon to be able to help us do this rightly, Right? So and he's so good because he never, how many are thankful? He never just tells us what to do. He equips us to do it. And that's what I love about this Sermon on the Mount. It's, a, it's an absolute masterpiece. So tonight, I've done the eight Beatitudes, salt and light, follow the word, teach the word. Now, we're going to be diving into the six temptations or warnings now that he gives all those people following him to resist in order to, leave, to live out this lifestyle, okay? And, and, and I'll just tell you, they're, they're found, in, they, they begin in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, and then it goes through 48. So all six of these temptations are kind of found right here in this part, and then he goes into the disciplines that we need to use. Tonight I'm going to cover the first three temptations. You guys ready? And I've got 35 minutes to do it in. Okay. How many Beatitudes? Rodney? Eight. How many temptations? How many spiritual disciplines? Did you say five? There probably are, Rodney, but he focuses on five, okay? You got the five right. Just drop the two. 
All right. So here we go. We're, we're diving into, hey, listen, I'm kind of having fun, but this is our life. This is what he called us into. Out of all the things, Jesus is, is ministering to a group of people, and he's saying, here's how I want you to live. Those eight Beatitudes, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of those eight Beatitudes. And now Jesus is like, we cre- I, I created you. I know what's in you. I know what you're going to struggle with. And with that, he gives, these, he gives these six things. So they're huge for us, okay? So you guys ready? All right. I'm kind of going to disappoint you just a tad bit maybe. But the first one is resisting anger. And it is in verse 21 through 26. And I'm actually going to, I believe that all of these have the same value. And yet I believe that he's in order. And I believe that there's a reason why when Jesus said, here's how I want you to live. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are the eight beatitudes. You're going to be the salt of the, of the earth and the light of the world. And, I, and, and I'm going to fulfill every prophecy. And, and, and I'm not changed my mind on anything that I've said, not one dot, one tittle. So I want you to follow it. And then, and then I want you to teach it. And then he goes straight into, here's you got you got to be careful for. And so the first one that he gives now, this caution or this temptation that that he knows that for us to live out a kingdom lifestyle is going to be difficult is anger. Now here's what I'm about to drop on you. That's all I'm going to say tonight. Because I feel like when I was studying today, the Holy Spirit prompted me to speak on this temptation and warning on Sunday. So I'm going to take the full sermon on Sunday, and I'm going to speak on the spirit of anger and how it's something that every one of us deal with in our homes and in our marriages, in our relationships, in society, and the warning. It's the first warning that he gives us in living this kingdom lifestyle. And we write so much of it off, and so I'm like, okay, God, I was writing it out. I just it kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and I'm like, okay, Lord. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with that with that first temptation on Sunday, then, okay? But for you to take notes, the first temptation is, that he gives is to resist anger. Chapter five, verse twenty-one and twenty-six. He actually calls it. I gotta be careful because I want to preach my Sunday message, and I won't. I, won't, I don't have time. But the, he actually calls it the spirit of murder. He really does. And I'll break that down and talk about that a little bit Sunday. But here we go. That's number one. So hold off. Bring your notepad. Fill that in on Sunday. The second temptation that he gives is resisting the spirit of of immorality. Resisting the spirit of immorality. Chapter 5. And let's read this together. Go to verse 27. Okay? So we're kind of, we're continuing on. We're skipping where he says uh, murder begins in the heart and the resistance to anger, verse 21 through 26. We'll do that Sunday. But right now, verse 27. You ready? So this is what he says here. You have heard that it was said to those of old that you shall not uh, commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. This is some really deep scripture right here. And so let's dive into it just a little bit. But here, again, Jesus is calling his disciples to this kingdom lifestyle. And what I want you to see here in this one, the first is avoid the temptation of anger. And by now he's saying avoid the temptation of spiritual immorality. So Jesus is calling his disciples to do that. Resist this temptation of immorality. Um, and so when you read down through this, he, he's not, in the beginning verse there, he's not raising the standard of, of the Old Testament law, right? The, the seventh commandment that you shall not commit adultery. He's not, Jesus isn't changing that. What he's doing is he's explaining its original intention. And that was God was speaking of more than just avoiding physical adultery. Right? So much more than just avoiding physical adultery. He was also speaking of the spirit of immorality. And this is what God is calling us into, to step into this kingdom lifestyle. And for us to teach our children to step into this lifestyle. Amen? So this is, this is what Jesus is bringing to light here. Now watch this. So Jesus taught how the spirit of immorality operates and how it grows and, and how dangerous that it is in these verses. I don't know if that there's ever been a more critical time in history for anyone to know these verses than right now where we're at in the realm of sexual immorality and all that's available to every child now, not just grown man, but every child practically 24-7. So here he is teaching on how dangerous this is and how it grows, and that we must not take it lightly because it's, it is a, it's like a spiritual cancer that continues to grow if it's not resisted. So this is, this is the heart of what Jesus is talking about here in verse 27 through 30, that, that when, when God, when God commanded and ordained that commandment, that seventh commandment to do not commit adultery, Jesus now is just opening it up. And he's saying it wasn't just about taking it as far as you can, but don't go all the way flesh to flesh. Jesus is saying, no, this is about, this. you commit adultery before the flesh. And that that's what he's bringing to light here. This is what we need to understand to, as, the, as the church, because what's scary is when we think that we're not vulnerable to it and we're all vulnerable to it. And our young people are vulnerable to it. So here, here, this is just where he's at. And so, so let me say this real quick. You ready? So he's talking, about, he's talking about avoiding the temptation of sexual immorality. And, se and, and immorality includes sexual activity, whether it be physical whether it be verbal, because the verbal connects the emotional, so it could be it could be physical, it could be verbal, or it could be technological. I want to back up and talk about the the verbal real quick, and I will tell you this: I tell people all the time, never text someone of the opposite sex unless there's a third party involved. Include your wife. 
Include your wife and include your husband. It, it, always in that. Do your very, 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 very best in that. I try to every now and then I'll make that happen. I've got people that work here, employees and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But, but we, we need to really, really, really be, be alert in those areas of our life, right? And uh, to, to make sure that we keep those door closed, because this is what he's really what he's guarding us of, that we that 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 we guard our areas in all these lives and everything. That so sexual immorality includes physical, verbal, technological, everything online, Instagram, Facebook, blah blah blah. I don't have to go any further. Everything outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Jesus saying is wrapped up right here in what God was establishing as the seventh commandment. Okay? Okay. So, you good? I'm going to drop this on. You need to pay close attention because Jesus knows. He knows us. He knows the enemy. Jesus, is t- he is so gracious, so gracious to teach us this. To teach those people that day and us today, because he knows that immorality, when we give in to sexual sexual immorality, it grants Satan legal doors of access into your life. It grants you like I understand this. Satan can never make any impact in your life other than the, what you grant him space for. So when we're, when we're entertaining a lie and we accept that lie, bam, we've given him space there. When we are entertaining stuff that we're watching that we shouldn't be watching, bam, we are, we are, um, we're, we're invite, we, we gave him space there. When we're texting someone of the opposite sex and we're just kind of, kind of half-heartedly being a little bit flirty in it, guess what you did? You just gave him a little bit of space. And I'm going to tell you what, he's good as he does. So if you let that door crack open, I'm going to tell you, more than likely that thing's going to end up all the way off the hinges. Amen. Y'all need to help me a little bit. This is tough stuff to preach, but this is good. Maybe I should preach this on Sunday too. I don't know. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful that he's so good to warn us, to help us, to instruct us? And so this is what he's doing right here and saying this stuff and, and, then, and, and, and letting us know. Because he, know, he knows that, that doing this gives him access. And, and ultimately, it's, it damages our heart and, and our relationship with him, our relationship with family, our relationship with others. And so, and so with that, uh, I got, I'll finish this one up real quick because I'm running out of time. But. When you look at this particular piece of it, then this particular warning. So the fir- the first the first temptation is anger, right? And it it is it's really deep. So I'm I'm gonna take all of Sunday on that. The second temptation is on sexual immorality. Okay, and then so in this passage, here's the two primary things I want you to see in this is Jesus Jesus focused on these these two two, two things. Two most important things here. Okay. The first is the spirit of immorality does not start in our actions, but it starts in our eyes. 
and then moves to our heart. It's really important that we see that in this verse. That it doesn't, it doesn't begin with acting it out. It begins with our eyes and moves to our heart. If you look at verse 28, he says, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman, looks at, looks at a woman to lust for her, and you can turn that around, women, this is just not a man thing. But if you, if, you look, if you look at a man with lust, if you look at a woman with lust, uh, that, that, that then therefore they have already committed adultery with her in, or with him in, in their heart. And so it's, it's strong, man. So, so he explained how, what I want us to see in this is how, how, the, the, uh, how the spirit of immorality operates and how it's rooted it's rooted in looking with lust at a person directly or through media, not always a human being, but sometimes it's pornography, it's this or that or what have you. But he's explaining that it's, it begins right here, right? And then it goes into our mind and it goes into our heart. And so it starts with our eyes. I want us to understand because he's, again, he's warning us on how to live a kingdom lifestyle where we can make an impact and be called great in the, in the, in the kingdom of heaven. And we've all got to understand tonight that our eyes are going to make an impact in that. Come on, man. What I look at. I mean, goodness gracious, it's hard today. It's hard. I mean, Lori works at Coles. I'll go to Coles sometimes and see her. And I mean, goodness, I, I feel like I gotta turn away sometimes from the from the women's section just from stuff advertising there on the tags. That years ago would have been pornography, and now it's just nat. It's normal because at least they got something on, kind of thing, right? And so it's like, ah, oh, I know my heart, I know my mind, I know that that's not going to entangle me in, but I also know how the enemy operates, man. And so it's like he's teaching us how important that it is and how important that it is for our children, especially you guys with young children and teenagers, man. You can't hardly have the TV on today without that stuff being incorporated into it. And then they become so casual to it that it's just normal. And if we're not teaching them, they don't truly know that it begins with what they see. They just think if they're strong enough to not act it out that they're okay. But what we're allowing them to do is to grow up learning to already commit adultery in their heart through their eyes. This is so deep. I am no way going to get done with all my stuff tonight. Maybe I'll teach on the Sermon on the Mount through the rest of the year. We'll see. Is this good? Am I, am I, is this stirring with you guys any? <sighs> Jesus emphasized the role of the eyes as a primary way for the spirit of immorality to enter. We've got to grab a hold of that. Okay? Now, I would say this, and this is the thing we need to grab a hold of that is, and, and part of this warning is that it's much easier to close the eye gate than to try to put out the raging fires of immoral passion. It's a whole lot easier to close that gate right now when they're younger, when they're teenagers. Take their phone from them, shut it down. I don't care if every kid in the world has a phone, guess what? Maybe yours doesn't, but maybe you're saving their soul. Maybe you're keeping them. Maybe you're keeping them from from a, an addiction of pornography. Because it's going to be really hard for them not to get into it. I'm just I'm just going to be honest with you. When I was a teenager, it would it was uncomfortable to engage in pornography. Because you maybe had to go to a store 
and buy a magazine or something behind the counter. You had to dress humans or whatever or this or that or whatever. I'm, maybe I'm a, a, attaching my age to whatever, but I'm just saying that but the access to this stuff today and how the enemy has opened it up and exposed it is completely different. All your kids have to do is take 30 seconds on their phone. And, they, and they're way smarter than we are, so they know how to delete it. <laughs> this is so good. This is good. This is good for our church. Help us, Lord. Help us spread this. Everybody okay? And so I'll just say this real quick. So, so I feel like that's one of, the, one of the primary, the first point that he's making is, is the access to the eyes and the gates of the eye and how, 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 how immorality begins with the eye, then it penetrates to the heart, and then the actions, blah, blah, blah. And so I'll just quote this real quick and move on. But in Job 31 and 1, Job, Job understood this, man. And so this is what Job says. Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? And you should actually go on. I'm just quoting one verse because I'm out of time. But actually, that whole chapter is absolutely phenomenal in regards to immorality and the, and the position that Job was standing in this area of his life. But he's like, hey, I've, I've made a covenant I've made a covenant with the Lord. I've made a covenant with my eyes. And then in Psalm uh, chapter 101, verse 2 and 3, David says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart, and I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. So just a couple verses that I want to share with you because they both understood that their eyes were the gateway to the heart. Their eyes were the gateway to the heart. Amen? Okay, so immorality. And then that's the, one of the primary points that Jesus brings in, that it's not just the act of it, but it's what happens through here and gets into the heart. Okay. And then he gives the warning. The second, the second key point that he gives in this is that we must be radical and, and even, even costly and, and, and make costly and painful decisions to remove whatever stirs up lust. So when Jesus is talking about this here, and he's talking about the eyes, and he's talking about the gates to that, that allow sexual immorality in, and in, in our mind, in conversations verbally, in person, or by text, or whatever, and he's talking about the root of the evil in that, and how it destroys us, and it's so severe and so strong. Jesus like, if you're going to live out these eight Beatitudes, you can't live in this mixture is what he's saying. And so in the process of that, he says, men, it starts right here. So God, watch the windows of your soul right here in your eye. And then he says, this is how serious that he is. Do whatever it takes. Go to whatever radical cost that it takes. Pay whatever price you've got to pay, right, to, to be able to get away from anything that would stir up this lust in you. So Jesus was giving insight to how to detect and overcome immorality. He's saying, this is what Jesus is saying right here in these few verses right here. This, this second warning or, uh, of temptation that he, that he gives. He's saying, a casual approach to lust is not going to be sufficient. A casual approach to lust is not going to be sufficient. You can't even play with it. You can't even, you can't even dabble. You can't even have it close by. You can't, th- you can't, even, you can't even think that you're strong enough to, to, not, to not take things to the next step. He's like, you can't even, you can't even get there. This is, this is what he's saying. And he knows us. He created us. Amen? 
So he's saying we must take radical, proactive decisions to remove whatever stirs up lust in our members. And that's what he's saying in verse 29 through 30. He's not talking about self-mutilation and plucking your eyes out and cutting your arm off and bleeding to death. He's saying that as much as that would lead to physical death, this is going to lead to spiritual death if you don't go at all costs to get it out of your life. So if you have to leave a job that requires you to be on the Internet and have a computer and you're dealing with a pornography addiction, he's saying, be homeless. Be homeless. Get rid of the computer. Change jobs. Go make french fries. Go do something. Do whatever you got to do. I mean, that's extreme, but cutting your arm off seems pretty extreme, Gary. Plucking your eye out seems pretty. Like, that seems really, that seems painful. I don't even like the thought of that. Are we getting this? Because this is our culture today. And where we're at today is little by little we're accepting that this is just okay because this is where the world's at. So what we wouldn't have watched years ago, now we watch. Because I love house hunters and uh, fixer, fixer-upper shows. But five years ago, I would have never seen a homosexual couple on there. But now everyone, every other episode, if I watch, would watch that or whatever, ha- has that in there. You know what that's doing? That's desensitizing us. To make it more acceptable. I know, th- I know this is not popular. This is not popular. But, but I'm, not, I'm not preaching popularity. I'm going to preach the kingdom of God. That's all that I know to do. Because in the end of the day, being popular might make people happy in the flesh. But it is not going to save their soul for eternity. And the truth of the matter is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. Because it costs you your flesh. This is good. I have a hard time teaching. I'm going to go back and listen to that. I feel like I need to learn some of this stuff. Where am I? Don't take a casual approach to lust. It's not going to be sufficient. Got to take this radical, proactive, make these proactive decisions to remove whatever stirs these things up. Amen. You know what that means? You know what that means? You know what the eye is? Or the arm that he's talking about? You know what that is? Maybe it's your TV. Maybe it's your internet. Maybe it's your computer. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's your job because there's a coworker there that you just, as much as you try, you know inside you're thinking thoughts that you shouldn't be thinking and you just haven't been able to stop and it's not worth it. Jesus says don't give the devil a foothold there. That's your arm. That's your eye. That's whatever that is. So it's, it's, it's and at whatever cost, being, being, being radically proactive with sometimes you got to remove yourself from people. Sometimes you got to remove yourself from places. Sometimes you got to remove yourself from things, right? Whatever we need to do and get removed out of our lives, Jesus says it's going to be worth it if you want to live a kingdom lifestyle. Okay. Here's the key point. If you're going to live out this kingdom lifestyle, you're going to have to be proactive in guarding yourself from immorality at all costs. And then 
I'll just say this real quick about, about the danger of this. That's kind of identified in here is the danger of lust is that lust grows. Lust grows. So people think they can dabble in it just a little bit. A little bit online. I'm not, maybe I'm not looking at pornography online, but I'm looking at uh, girls or guys on Instagram that are just maybe barely clothed just a little bit or whatever. That's okay. God understands, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to tell you, lust grows. And it won't stop there, okay? So, then what's it grow into? Shame, oppression, perversion. And then if you follow down through what Jesus says here in this warning in verse 30, ultimately ends up ending in judgment. So this is just really... The spirit of immorality is unbiased and operates to the degree that anyone opens the door to it. The spirit of immorality is unbiased and it operates to the degree that anyone opens the door to it. Pastors, church leaders, elders, bishops, prophets, worship leaders, intercessors, you need to understand that there's no one that's extinct from this. None of us. Every one of us need to be living with this revelation that Jesus has given us to have these guards in place. Amen? Because Satan wants our weakness to escalate to wickedness. Amen? But I'm going to tell you, in order to do that, he needs your cooperation. And that's what Jesus is warning. He's like, don't cooperate with it. Get Go to this extreme to make sure. Watch your eyes. Don't cooperate because it's going to begin right here. It's going to begin with what you see, and then with what you see is going to begin to affect how you feel, and it's going to get in your mind. It's going to begin to mold your heart, and then your actions are going to follow that, right? So this is just so good. Um, Galatians, you can write this down, and I'm going to move on to the next one. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, he says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also of the flesh reap corruption. Isn't that powerful? So Jesus is in here and he's saying, Look, and guard yourself from the spirit of immorality. That's the second temptation that he gives us. Live this way, eight beatitudes, maintain your saltiness, and, and don't let anything hinder your light. Make sure that you follow my word and teach my word, and I'll call you great in the kingdom of heaven. That's the next section. And then he goes, then he goes straight into anger, and then the next one is the uh, spirit of immorality. And, and sexual impurity in these things. Okay, so that's number two. You guys good? Number three, I think I can do this, guys. I think I can do this. These other next two, are gonna, I'm going to go a little bit faster on. <clears throat> the next one is um, honoring the marriage covenant. So the first temptation, he says, is is not 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 giving into anger the second one is not giving into to spiritual uh, 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 immorality and then and then he goes into honoring the marriage covenant in 31 two verses right here can we read them please because it would help me if we did because I'm about what I'm about to share with you is not Scott's words this is just Jesus word 
and then we're going to drive into it a little bit. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a uh, certificate of divorce, because this was through the Pharisees and, and back from Moses, what he established because the people's hearts were hardened, and that's where that opened up at. Verse 32, and Jesus says, But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman uh, who is divorced commits adultery. So here's two, two, two verses, the third the third temptation that Jesus gives us to avoid in this Sermon on the Mount, and here we go. So what I'll say about this is ultimately, ultimately, in these two verses, Jesus is teaching us to resist the temptation to disregard the sanctity of marriage. He is upholding the sanctity of marriage and, and to resist the temptation to break that covenant, to remain and to live for better or for worse. Okay? Now, I feel like I just need to drop this out there real quick because I'm, I'm thankful I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for forgiveness. I'm thankful for a new beginning. I'm thankful for His mercy. Um, there's a lot of elements to this that we can talk about, and I'm not going to. I'm just going to talk about what he says in these two verses. And I'm going to do that according to verse chapter 5, verse 19, because he says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and, uh, and shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we want, to, we want to hear what the Lord is saying, and we want to raise that. We want our families, our young people to be established in this. So Jesus, when you put this together, these two verses coming right out of the anger and right out about, uh, about adultery and spirituality, spiritual immorality, and then now here into the covenant and the sacredness of the, of the marriage vows. And, and, and when you look at this, Jesus, Jesus says in these two verses, um, and you really, you can't discern them any other way, but Jesus says these two verses, he says, the physical union, the physical union of marriage and the and covenant before God supersedes the legal certificate that the Pharisees were focused on. So the covenant before God supersedes what's done in the court system here on earth. That's what he's saying. And it's tough, I know, and it's definitely not a part of culture in any form or fashion today, but it's, it's what Jesus is saying. They, they focused on the, lega the legality of the process, and you read that there in verse 31, but, but when you look at this then, and wonder really what one of the things that Jesus is saying in this lifestyle that he's called us into, that we're reflecting him from in this kingdom, this kingdom lifestyle, is, is uh, and, and he says here, that uh, again, that that he, he that really that Jesus doesn't recognize legal divorce as ending a marriage in God's sight when it's been done through covenant. And this is why he goes on in the next verse in verse thirty-two, and he calls it he calls it adultery. And then he gives this exception, and the exception is, is sexual immorality. And I want to say something about that real quick because I've already said enough. But here's my, here's my 
Here's my input to you as your pastor on sexual immorality. I don't believe, I don't believe an act of sex, sexual immorality is an open door for divorce in any form or fashion. I do not. Because I believe that he's healer, and I believe he's restorer, and I think he can make all things new. And I have seen it over and over and over and over again, whether it be physical or whether it be emotional adultery. When someone let their gates open in some way and fell in, in, a, in a place where they committed some form of adultery that was just in the, in the verses before, and how God was able to, through repentance, restore those people. When I read this verse, and I look at all the scripture together, I truly believe that this is speaking about a situation where someone is continuing in a lifestyle of, of uh, this adultery and refusing to repent, repent and refusing to spot, uh, and stop or continuation of it or whatever. But that, that's, my, that's my heart in it. And that's my heart as a pastor because we, this is in the church. This is in the community. This is in our families. This is everywhere. I've dealt with this for 25 years. And, and the majority of the time, I'm going to say 90% of the time when it's happened and it's been believers, it's been believers that didn't, that didn't, that didn't at all costs guard their eyes and guard their hearts. They let things in and they fell. And almost always, if there's repentance and genuineness in it, I've watched God restore those marriages and make them stronger than ever before. And if we would have acted as this, as being a legal right for, for a, a single failure or whatever to open up that door, how many, how many more marriages would we have destroyed? So I'm just throwing that out there to you. You're welcome. Please don't be mad at me. I'm just sharing my heart in that. But in these two verses, I can't change these. That's what Jesus says. So you have to take these those up with him, however. Everybody good? Here's the point. The sanctity of marriage is a very important kingdom value. This is what Jesus is saying. So he's saying, I want you to live this way, eight beatitudes. You're going to be my salt and my light, right? And then I want you to make sure you follow every word every command. I want you to obey me, and then I want you to teach it, and then I want you to guard yourself from anger, and then I want you to make sure that you're guarding yourself from, from sexual immorality, and your eyes are the gate to that. And then he says, I want you to know, if you're going to live this lifestyle, man, I need, you to, I need you to shine for me. And he said, I need you to make sure that you're honoring the marriage covenant. Okay? You good? And if you want to go back and study this one just a little bit, you can go into Matthew chapter 19 and read verse 1 through 10, and Jesus gives a more in-depth teaching on this. Amen? So that's the, third, that's the third temptation is honor, honor, honor the marriage covenant. Amen. Okay? And then I have 60 seconds. Let's read verse 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old that you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say you do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair uh, uh, white or black. But let your yes be yes, your no be no. Jesus really dealing with a bunch of people raised up in this fear of uh, in this, with the Pharisees in this religious atmosphere, and so they, they they took this they they took this Old Testament verse, thinking, okay, we 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 
we're not to make an oath in God. If we make an oath in God's name, then we're doing it in vain. So I thought, well, I can just make any any oath then. I can make an oath on Jerusalem, or I can make an oath on my hair. So they just thought it was about who you made an oath to, not upholding the oath. And Jesus is saying, that, that doesn't, that, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, what he's talking about is not who you keep the oath in. The point here, the point that he's making is that we don't, is to not make commitments in vain. And I, I think we need to, I think this is one, because this is Jesus' heart for us living as his disciples. And I think a lot of us, because I know I'm, I'm just a worker, I'm a worker, and I'm a server, and I just love helping people. So it's hard for me. To, does anyone else have a hard time saying no? It's hard for me to say no. But, I, but I've also, I, like, I, I, I know this verse, so it really sticks in me sometimes. But Jesus is saying, yes, uh, don't make commitments that you're not sure that you can keep. That's what he's saying, because ultimately we're reflecting him in that. And so in Scripture, oaths are permitted. And they're necessary, okay? So it's not about ne- never making an oath because they, they were used for, for formal and then also legal settings. So we, we, make oath, we make an oath in marriage, and if you go uh, upgrade your phone bill, you're going to make an oath with AT&T that for so many months you're going to pay this amount for that thing until it's paid off or whatever. So there's things like that and with land and houses. So that, again, it it wasn't about that. Um, And so what Jesus is saying here is refuse to make false commitments in personal conversation. Refuse to make false commitments that make you look better or people would think you're better knowing that you're probably not going to be able to do it in personal conversation, okay? So uh, uh, Jesus was not referring to these legal settings here, but to ordinary conversation. So in verse 34, he says, I say to you, do not swear at all. So don't swear at all. So if Tommy says, Pastor Scott, I need you to come over tomorrow if you can after work. If you're not busy, do you think you can help me um, fix my guttering? And I want to help Tommy because I love him and... He got me a clapper, so I want to do it, but I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. I never know what my day is going to hold. So my answer should be, tell me I would love to, and I want to, and I will do everything in my power to be there if I can, and I will, and I can, I can stand behind that. What I can't do is make an oath to him with 100% certainty that I'll be there in this moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I think maybe we need to just kind of think about that a little bit of how we present our commitments to things and people. Because I want to, and I want him to be a, I want him to be able to count on me. But I want to make sure that I'm honest in that. I'm able to be fulfilling that. And so we need to we need to be careful in that because Jesus calls for truthfulness and integrity in our commitment. And I think a lot of what he's getting here isn't in that scenario because even in that scenario, and I called I called Tommy and said, hey. I just got a phone call, and now I've got to go here. He's going to understand, and he it, it's not going to change his mindset on me of my integrity and knowing that I, that I fulfill my commitments, okay? But I'm still going to be really cautious in how I present that. I think the heart of this is, and uh, Jesus is in our flesh because we want to please people and make people happy, is making commitments and oaths and saying things that kind of puffs us up a little bit bigger than we are, okay? 
And so he goes and he says, listen, don't, don't swear to anything at all. But he says, let your, let your yes be less yes and let your no be no. So, so whatever, whatever. And then, but this is really powerful. One thing, let me finish with this. He says, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But listen to this statement. Then he says, whatever is more than these is from the evil one. <laughs> That's kind of strong. So you got to go think about that. I'll finish. I'm done. Seriously. In this third one, in, the, in this one here, what he's saying is, our word is our bond. We're as good as our word. And Jesus is true to his word because he is truth. Jesus is truth. John uh, 14-something, right? He's truth. And so we're representing him. So, Miss Crystal, we need to be truth. I need to be truthful to you. I need to be truthful to you. I need to be truthful when I say to you, how I present myself to you. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. And I need to do my very best to uphold that because we, we want, he, he wants us to reflect him and he wants us to be truthful. It's a powerful thing. He just talked about murder, anger. He just talked about adultery in the mind and physical. And he talked about divorce. And then, and then, and then goes right into the importance of our yes being yes and no being no. I never really counted it being that heavy, Gary. I just thought, it's okay. People understand. But Jesus says, you better get serious about this because your word and your integrity and your character and how people can trust you is so important in the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that powerful? Yes. And it's never more important than parents letting their yes be yes and their no be no to their children. Very good. Threatening them or I'm oh, going to tell you again. That's very good, Yvonne. So that's very good, Miss Yvonne. Thank you for talking that. So, yeah, for us that are that are old and some really old. Um, <laughs> that's so good if you have teenagers and and because I do that. I, I hear all the time, if you do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna count to three, and I'll, I'll listen to count to three. I'm like, well, <laughs> how much further are you gonna count? And so we want to teach them the, the value of the in the way of words. So I, I I could go on and on. I love this series. Y'all gonna have to forgive me. It's been so good. So I'll get into the, the last three uh, temptations next week. And, uh, but Sunday, we're going to deal with anger. So be praying for me, if you would. It's a very controversial, difficult subject, but it impacts every one of us. And I'm going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Lord, I love you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for every individual in here. Help us, Lord, to grow in these areas and to fully not only live according to your word, as you said in 519, but God, help us be teachers and people that lead other people according to your word and knowing that we'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.